Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. In this week's episode of The Tech John, we cover a couple of tech stories like Twitter's logo changing to the logo of Dogecoin and the open letter to pause new AI development for six months. But the meat of this episode is our interview with author, attorney, and chief operating officer of DEI Directive, Flo Nicholas. We talk about everything from how Flo transitioned from practicing law into tech at a big telecom company, starting her own local television show, Get Tech Smart, and how she's now tackling big data in diversity, equity, and inclusion as the COO and co-founder of DEI Directive. We've got all this and more for you in episode 77 of The Tech John. From Columbus, Ohio, I'm your host, Rob Dunwood. And coming out of Philly, it's your girl, Tech Life Stuff. So you probably Give me the know. AKA. There is no AKA this week because your boy decided to go on vacation. And, you know, he, he actually, you know, he sent the facetious uh, Discord message like, I'm going to miss y'all. You did a smiley face, wink, AKA. wink, wink. Like, you ain't missing nothing. Right, aka brother tech is not really disappointed not to be here, so stop fronting. But you know what? We still are gonna have a three person show this week because in the next ten minutes or so, we got a guest coming up. Um, we, we're bringing on Flo Nicholas, and she's gonna talk with us about some DEI stuff and some stuff she's got going on. But before we get to that, I want to remind everyone that you can support the Tech John by heading over to patreon.com forward slash the Tech John, and that's gonna give you the opportunity to watch us record the show live and hang out with us after the show in our after party and all kind of good stuff. We've got a Discord server that you can get over to. There's all kind of stuff you can do. But if you want to support the Tech John, once again, head over to patreon.com forward slash the Tech John. So with that, Tech Life Steph, let's get into just a couple of tech stories before we get to our guest this week. Yeah. Uh, I promise that we are not turning the show into this week in Twitter. But we we got we, we got to talk about this stuff. I think this just happened today. I don't know how much attention you paid to this. But Twitter's logo changed. Well, I over- went to look at it when I when you when I saw that you posted it, and yeah, the little the little doggies in there still. So yeah, they they changed the logo over to the Doge Dogecoin meme logo. The Shiba, I think it's a Shiba Inu dog or something mm-hmm. like that, and it caused Dogecoin to spike over thirty percent. I think when I actually put this story in here, it was still up like twenty six and a half percent. And some folks are saying that Twitter actually got hacked. Some folks are saying that it's a delayed April Fool's joke. 
It is a uh, it is not a delayed April Fool's yeah. joke. I, I, I'm just I, hey, I'm just I'm just a reporter here telling y'all what the news is is saying. Some folks are saying that this is Elon Musk thumbing his nose at the 258 billion dollar racketeering lawsuit that he is currently engaged in, that's accusing him of running a pyramid scheme on Dogecoin. Because if you remember back in 2021 when that thing shot up, he was out tweeting about it and talking about it, mm-hmm. and his thing was, well, he was just joking, he was just playing. But um, this is what this reminds me of, because I think this is the latter. I think that this is intentional. They they meant to do this. This is him thumbing his nose. That that is an opinion. That's me editorializing. I don't know this, but it just reminds me of, you know, you always had those kids. They was just like the serial line steppers. They was just going to push it to the line every single time. And then they would lick their finger and touch the hot stove and see if they could hear the sizzle without getting burned. That's that's to me. What it seems like Elon is doing here is like y'all trying to sue me for a quarter trillion trillion dollars. Um, Let me show you how much I don't care about this. And so I'm going to go change the logo of my, you know, billion upon billions upon billions of dollar, you know, project that I bought this summer. I'm just going to play with you and just mess with you because that's just how I roll that. That's what I think. But I don't know that. But see, those kids were always the asshole. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you, you always hated that kid. Like that kid was always the <laughs> asshole. Like you just, and, and, and clearly nothing's changed because it's, it's just, it's just a move and it's, it's not even funny. It's, it's not provo- like you're not even a good troll at this point. You know, it's just, I, I'm just so over him and, and everything about him. And, you know, it, it's just like, can we just, go- I, I, I believe, um, he is deliberately trying to tank Twitter in some way. I don't know what the end game for that is going to be, but I do believe he's deliberately trying to tank Twitter. Um, and it's just, it's just one more thing. Like we, this, we need a, we need a musk free show next week. I'm like, I don't care what happens unless, unless Twitter like completely goes off blind like we gotta we gotta stop giving this boy oxygen the reason we talked about this is because he moved money 30 percent that 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 is that is a significant part of this yeah yeah, and like you know last week we talked about this you said how much you you said that you literally could not care less about whether or not you were going to be blue or you know whatever color after last week i saw my i saw that when i when i got onto it because i don't I don't get on Twitter that much at all. And I definitely don't get on, on the web. But when I logged on, on the web, I saw the notification, you know, Hey, if you want to keep your blue check, you better. Da, 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 da. I was just like, so, so here's what it's looking like though, because you, you know that I was gifted and I, and I have to say that after, after preference that every show, when I talk about, I have Twitter blue, the one that you pay for, <laughs> it was gifted. I won it in a contest. I, I want a raffle. So I have it. But I think that was so the many, prize in a raffle. I mean, it sidebar. It was. Yeah. So I was, I, I went to a little it's social media about us as society where <laughs> the prize in a raffle is a Twitter blue well, subscription. One of the people who was throwing this little social media gathering, they are really big on Twitter and they mm. also help other people. So their, their business is about helping people, you know, okay. build their profiles out. And they, they, I say people, generally they're working with companies and doing like Twitter advertising and stuff. So it, it kind of fit the, it makes know, the, sense. the, the yeah. little conference that I was at. Yeah. But um, it, it, it was a prize. But, but here's the thing that's interesting about this. I think that Twitter Blue might be 
it is it's not doing what Elon wants it to do because we thought like folks like you was like and push saying I could care less about that blue check mark. I think so many people were saying this and actually were not signing up for Twitter Blue that they changed it. So when you right click and or you know when you right click on the blue check mark, it used to actually say you know whether or not you were a member of Twitter Blue or if you were a right. legacy verified person. Right. It no longer says that. It actually right. says you either are, you know, a member of blue or verified. So they're they're basically blurring the lines of who is you, you can't tell who was actually verified because you are a journalist in the middle of the years. Right. Exactly. And they and, and they just took the New York Times blue check away. Like yesterday or two days ago, like the New York Times no longer has a a blue check mark for verification, and and it just it 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 sucks because it's a very dangerous and slippery slope, mm-hmm. um, and you know nothing about what Elon Musk is claiming he wants to do all of this for is materializing. I just got followed by two accounts today that I am certain are bots, so it doesn't look like. Anything is being done to, you know, combat that which he claims he is here to champion against and and, you know, removing verification from public sources and public resources like the New York Times is like you are inviting anarchy and and i mean you're inviting anarchy honestly on on your platform because now it's just well how do we know if this is really true how do we know if this is the real new york how do we know how do we know how do we know and and you literally are inviting chaos um to 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 come and exist on your platform and and it's just like what is your actual end game to all of this i really it's not you, you know but you know they have twitter gold so companies, they can go out and spend a band a month. They want a thousand dollars a month. Exactly. For you and then the New York Times was like, we're not paying that. And yeah. I don't blame them. Don't blame them. So let's get off of Twitter. Um, like I said, we, I just, I think it's a week, we, I promise we are not becoming this week in Twitter. You know, we, we, we're not, we're going to try to limit that conversation. I'm telling there. you, he, but, I, I'm, you heard it here first. He is deliberately trying to tank this company. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he just wants to do a fire sale, uh, and get it. So drive the stock price down that, you know, somebody just buys it and whatever, but he's deliberately trying to take this company because this, there's no way, um, anybody with, you know, two brain cells would be running Twitter the way he's running Twitter right now and expect it to be profitable. It's like, I know folks are saying, I was like, well, why would he do that? Because he, he did spend money on this, but it was OPP. It was other people's pockets that, right. you know, this, you know, that this came from clearly some of it is his, but the sum that is his is he's, we're in the range. He has so much money that it, it just it just doesn't make a difference. I, I I do know the one reason why people who have as much money as Elon Musk has is because they really like having money. So I'm not saying that he's being frivolous with his money, but you you could be right on that because it is a lot of other folks' money that's tied up in this as well. Yeah, he's he's she's trying to tank it. So Steph, I wanted to talk about this last one. I I read your uh you know how you titled this the empire strikes back chat gpt i'm like what what is she talking about then i go in here and i'm reading um i, I particularly focused on the article of i think it was in insider uh you know business insider uh-huh and i'm reading what this dude is saying it's like please y'all well did you go feel- read the did you go read, read the later read- on on time yeah the, I, re- the- I read all three that you linked in here yeah the I, well no the the op-ed that the the Eliza you 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 Kowski wrote 
was <laughs> like <laughs> crazy, crazy, crazy. But let's but let's go ahead and set it up for the people. Well, no, your story. I'll let you tell it. It's so basically, I it started. I I initially posted. Um, the open letter that, you know, a bunch of people have signed, including Elon Musk and, and mm-hmm. some other tech heavyweights have signed, um, about AI and the fact that they need to put a six month moratorium on training another large language model. So basically they're saying don't do chat GPT five just yet because this thing has gotten out of hand. No one has actually, um, thought about what we should be doing it's just become this this tech arms race to see who can build the the biggest and quickest and fastest and smartest um you know ai and and nobody is thinking about the consequences there are no protections in place for anybody you know no government regulation it is just the wild wild west of of ai right now so um there is a and let me let me give you the uh website because it's a it's a organization called futureoflife.org anybody can actually sign this open letter that it has just gotten some some you know high profile signers including Elon Musk including Steve Wozniak um including Andrew Yang including um I'm just scrolling right now looking it's, at Craig it's a, Peters it's a bunch yeah of folks it's a bunch and of folks just is this stuff is fooling humans regularly Right. So it's like folks is like getting worried because what do we always say? It's like, please do not build Skynet. And nobody and is, is stopping to say, will this evolve into Skynet? Could it evolve into Skynet? Might it evolve into Skynet? Should we build it if we know there's a possibility it could evolve into Sky? Like no one's asking any of those questions. And that's a problem. That is a real problem. So the, the researcher warning. That was all doom and gloom. It was, it is as bad as you can imagine. I'm paraphrasing. It is as bad as you can imagine. We really need to stop and think about this. Uh, clearly, they are worried about, let's not build Skynet. The other ones are kind of like, let's just slow down uh, and really think about this and figure out what moves need to be made. Unfortunately, I think that what's going to have to happen is that something made something massively something horrible gonna is going to have to happen yeah. first. Oh, yeah. if, you, if you think about uh, it, just like you know, back in World War II, when basically you know we were going after nuclear weapons, mm-hmm. we were gung ho about doing that, and you know, and, and, and so was Russia. You know, we, we we wanted to develop these things, um, and because we knew that okay, well, if we can blow up a lot of people. Um, you know, or, or a lot of stuff, take out a lot of stuff all at once. That is, you know, that, that, that is, you know, military wise, that, that, that makes us better than everybody else. And then they did it not once, but twice. And we see the fallout from that. It's like, Oh, you literally are messing with earth at this point. If you, if, if, if you and continue humanity. down this path, <laughs> you're going to literally end life as we know it. So. Then, you know, you know, the superpower countries are like, OK, we got to get we, we got to figure this out. We, we got to make some rules. We got to do some things. I hate that Earth is like this, but I think until something Absolutely. just enormously catastrophic happens, mm-hmm. I don't know that we're going to slow down on this. No, I think we're, we're going to be full we're bore ahead. 
because you don't need to go to the government to get permission to build an AI. You just got to be really smart, know know a lot of math and train it on a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'm looking at some, you know, some of these articles like where you're starting to see actual governments are saying, well, hold up. I don't want to be in chat, you know, chat GPT 4.5. I don't want to be in 5.0. We need to we need to hold from, think about that from a government standpoint, but that doesn't prevent anybody from a company standpoint or a personal standpoint of just figuring this stuff out and mathing it out. And, and well, wait a minute, here's like all this information is on the Internet for free. Let's exclude this country. But let's get it from everyone else. So it's not going to stop anytime soon, in my opinion. It's not. But, and I just want to read uh, a couple things from the, the letter. Um, so there's the open letter from futureoflife.org, which anybody can go and sign. And, and again, calling for the six month moratorium where they decide whether or not there should be some international uh, standard around the development of AI and some sort of governing body that can kind of, you know, maintain independent review and oversight over the development of, of AI. But then a, a man named Elizer Yudkowsky, I hope I'm saying his name right. He is a decision theorist uh, from the United States and leads research at the Machine Intelligence Research Institute. He's been working on aligning artificial general intelligence since 2001 and is widely regarded as a founder of the field. This is the guy that wrote the letter that yeah. basically said the world is coming to an end. No, he, he, um, he's saying pausing yeah. AI is not yeah. enough. I'm, I'm, I'm reading not. this. Pausing AI developments isn't, isn't enough. We need to show Shut it all down. Shut it all down. But the, the couple things, the couple things that he put in here that I was like, boing, made my eyes go. He said, um, a sufficiently intelligent AI won't stay confined to computers for long. In today's world, you can email DNA strings to laboratories that will produce proteins on demand, allowing an AI initially confined to the internet to build artificial life forms or bootstrap straight to post-biological molecular manufacturing. So basically an AI would get smart enough to build a life form of itself that will probably be genetically superior to anything a human could ever think to be. So it could build a superhero, you know, or some sort of mutant or some X-Man or some Superman um, that would be genetically superior to humans and way, way, way smarter. Um, and, it, and it would be an easy thing to do. This is insane. That was the first thing. The second thing um Mr. Yudkowsky made a point about was the fact that no one can, you know, right now we think the AI is not sentient. Um, and we, we, we think that AI is, is, is getting very good at fooling some humans, but most humans would still be able to tell they weren't talking to an AI and, and it gets things wrong a lot of times and yada, 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 but we don't know. Um, and not only do we not know, there really is no way to tell. So now the question becomes, if AI is conscious or at some point becomes conscious, should we still be allowed to possess it and exploit it after that? If this thing is a sent- is now a sentient being. And then if we don't get to possess it and or exploit it anymore, how do we integrate this new 
being this new thing into society with the rest of us human beings. Like it's the, the, the extrapolation that you can go into on this, this, this rabbit hole. It's like a black hole. It's not even a rabbit hole. It's so deep and, and, and should, it should concern all of us. It, it really should concern all of us. It's, it's insane. I say this all the time. In fact, I said it last week, but there's a cautionary tale called Terminator 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and soon to be 7, <laughs> where they go over all the bad ways this stuff can go wrong. So we will definitely be keeping an eye on this, but, you know, just, just to, you know, to cap it, I, I understand the open letter. I get it. Right. But, until, but it's not enough. Yeah. I think until something catastrophic happens, um, that that's, you know, nothing's going to change. And hopefully when that day comes, it won't be too late. It won't be too late. That, that, that's, and that's the problem. I'll, I'll say, to, I'll say to this, um, just to, to quickly put a, put a point on that. Italy has ordered chat GPT blocked, but citing data privacy concerns, not concerns that it could kill us all. Um, and that might be the loophole, you know what I mean? For, for most of the country, I mean, America doesn't have any privacy laws that make any kind of sense whatsoever. So we're still going to like, you know, fall to the machines, but the rest of the world may actually be able to, if not stop it, put some brakes on it. Um, just because the, the data that it's using to learn violates other people's privacy and GDPR, um, does have some protections in place for that. So, so that could be the thing that, that, you know, slows it just a bit, but it's still a juggernaut. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems, too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. So, Y'all, we, we got a guest this week. As I said, we have Flo Nicholas coming on the show. I want to go ahead and bring her in. But, Stephanie, you got to do this proper. And, and I give her the introduction. I got, I, I, I got the bio up now. <laughs> here, we, here we go. Flo Nicholas is a passionate advocate for diversity, equity, and inclusion, and a respected thought leader in the technology industry. As co-founder and chief operating officer of DEI Directive, Flo developed a cutting-edge DEI intelligence platform that empowers human resource and DEI professionals to track, monitor, and measure the outcomes of their DEI initiatives. Her dedication to DEI principles and innovation has earned her recognition, respect, and features in notable news outlets and podcasts, 
including the tech john. With extensive experience in corporate technology operations, Flo is widely respected for her knowledge of innovation and technology. She is a tech-savvy lawyer, tech startup founder, and an and an international speaker advocating for STEM for all, women in tech and diversity in tech. Flo is also a committed community leader who volunteers on several boards, mentors underrepresented professionals, and hosts DEI initiatives across all industries in New Hampshire. Flo Nicholas, welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to the show. And I also got to put this out there. She got a TV show, (laughs) y'all. She got a TV show. We are here podcasting. She got a TV show. Listen. So, Flo, welcome to the show. It is we're so happy to have you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And quick correction: I am not the only co-founder of DI Directive. I do have uh, my partner Malobi Akache. So, shout out to her, uh, who is the original founder. Uh, so I just wanted to clarify that because I made a mistake on my own bio. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. No worries. So the motivation, if, if anybody was listening to Detect John last week, uh, we were on a rant, as as always, um, about the the a story, the idea that Spotify, there's a gnat in my room right now that's like bug, bugging me. Um, Spotify had made this $100 million commitment um, to diversity and underrepresented people and and all this other stuff in light of the whole Joe Rogan scandal, um, but had only spent like 10% of that money. Not even, actually, not even, 10%. not even uh, actually trying to do anything. And, and it really seemed like, you know, the way the article was written, that they were just deliberately neglecting to put any real teeth behind the thing or, you know, just maliciously tanking it on purpose, the initiative, uh, tanking the initiative on purpose. But either way, they wasn't really about that DEI life um, for all intents and purposes. Um, So, you know, us all being tech and engineers and we are problem solution type people. And, and I, you know, as, 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 as luck would have it and serendipity would have it, uh, Flo and I had a conversation last week where I, you know, we got a chance to meet and learn about what we do. And, um, and it sort of just dovetailed perfectly with that, um, with that story because you provide the answer <laughs> to, you know, the dilemma that we, that we posed last week. So, uh, before we get into that though, I would love to, um, kind of understand what, where your interest in tech came from, because you do have a JD and you're, you're an attorney by trade and training and education. Where did the interest in tech come from? Yeah. So, you know, I practiced for a couple of years, did like real estate and bankruptcy and, you know, from there, I was kind of like, oh, I need a break. I need a change. I, I wanted to figure out, you know, how can I leverage uh, the Juris Doctorate? But I wanted to be in corporate, you know, and that was kind of like one off the things that I kind of always knew in the back of my head when I went to law school. You know, I was like, yeah, I'll practice. But eventually I want to make my way into the corporate world. Uh, but I was a bit naive, uh, you know, when I entered corporate and, and meaning that, you know, I went into telecommunications. And mm-hmm. I was in corporate technology operations uh, for a telecom company. And I'm working with like engineers and construction teams. Uh, and, and tech, you know, is unfortunately in, in some areas still an all boys club. Um, and when I went in, I thought it was just simple. Hey, I'm going to leverage my education and I'm going to go in and I'm going to climb this corporate ladder. <laughs> um, 
How I got in. Is it ever that simple? It was that simple and that was my wake up call. I actually got into tech a little bit accidentally, right? When I applied for the role, it said like real estate manager. So I was like, all right, well, you know, I'm looking for a change. Um, But I didn't realize the detail in in what I was going to learn until I actually got on the job. I'm like, oh, oh, well, wait a minute. (laughs) I got to learn how to read construction drawings, engineering drawings, uh, talk to RF engineers and and just really understand um, just the whole wireless industry. Um, and one thing that I understood right away was that, you know, women were just not getting to the top very quickly. And in my department, I was the only person of color. Mm. So, yeah, so that it was, I learned a lot, right? I, I, I learned a lot. I'm a very inquisitive person and I did leverage the time to ask as many questions as I could just to really become a subject matter expert. And I technically don't like using the word expert because I feel like information is constantly changing and evolving, just like what mm-hmm. you guys were talking about with AI, you know, all these products dropping on the market, that sometimes it can be difficult to be an expert if you're not really following up with all this evolving and emerging technology and really trying to understand it. Uh, but yeah, so my jump from legal to tech was, accidental and then it became intentional mm-hmm. right i'm like well i'm here i love this so i'm gonna learn as much as i can uh and, and i did um so i spent about seven and a half years uh in in, in the telecommunications industry uh, and then i had you know like most people during covid and the great resignation i had that you know aha moment where mm-hmm. i'm like you know what is not going to work for me. I'm not going anywhere. I'm looking at this org chart and yeah, everybody looks the same. So I'm like, time's up. I hear you. I hear you. Sometimes you just get fed up. So, so how did that lead you into um, the Get Tech Smart TV show? So I started um, just really getting heavily involved in technology. But at at that point, when I created Get Tech Smart, I was kind of like, where do I belong? What do I want to do? You know, at first I got into the legal technology market, right? During COVID, it's like, you know, uh, lawyers and law firms were like, oh my God, like how are we supposed to serve our clients and be remote? And the legal technology industry blew up. So I started mm-hmm. learning as much as I could about it, started writing posts on LinkedIn and some of them were like just, you know, blowing up. Uh, but then I started kind of taking a look in my market. You know, I said, what's, you know, what's going on in my market when it comes to technology? I'm looking at what's going on globally, but I'm like right here in New Hampshire. How can I kind of leverage this market and start creating a name for myself? Right. Uh, and that's when I found uh, a nonprofit organization called New Hampshire Tech Alliance. And I started seeing like all these articles talking about the New Hampshire tech scene. And I'm just like, I like, wow, like there's all this emerging technology in my state but I don't, I don't know about it. And I bet if I don't know about it, other people probably don't know about it either. Mm-hmm. So I'm a board member on the cable utilities committee and we oversee our local uh, community uh, TV station. And when I went to my first, uh, my first board meeting, I had a chance to meet our director who also does some work for CBS occasionally. And one of the things they said was, hey, if you want to be a producer, you can create your own show. You can come here and you can record it. So I took a tour of the studio and I'm like, oh man, this is legit. 
They got great equipment. This is fantastic. And at the time, I was doing a YouTube show for lawyers, and I was bringing in uh, legal technology vendors, and they were doing demos of the products and how they worked and how they benefited attorneys. So I was like, well, I can do another show, but I don't want to have it niche just on legal technology because not everybody is in the legal tech field. So I said, I'm going to open it up to all emerging technologies because some of the feedback I've been getting from people when I post about technology is like, oh, my God, this stuff is so complicated. It's so complex. I can't understand. So I said, I'm on a mission to make technology fun. And I want people to learn about it because you have to stay up to date with what's going on. But I'm going to do it in a way where we're just going to really make it simple so people can understand and understand the impact of technology on their day to day, whether they're just a regular person or a business owner. So I joined the New Hampshire Tech Alliance and started going to their networking events. Right. I'm showing up. I'm the only one half the time who's black. And I'm like, I want to. I want to show representation in the tech community uh, that there, there is more to it than just the usual people that you're seeing. Yep. So I created the show again as part of an education, right? Educational entertainment, bringing in top expert guests. I'm talking about CEOs, big companies, billion dollar companies like BAE uh, and other cybersecurity companies uh, and universities like UNH. Uh, as well as Manchester Community College, just started bringing on guests and talking about artificial intelligence, the impact of cybersecurity, the impact of chat GPT and the cybersecurity and data privacy issues. And it's just it just blew up from there. But my mission was also not just about education, but representation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I want people to turn on the TV and see, again, someone... Who's not the usual? Who doesn't look like you expect them to? Mm-hmm. Like, like I said, when um when when I, when I found out you were coming on, and I'm like, oh, it's like a lot of people will say they mean TV, but they really mean YouTube, or they they mean yeah. Instagram, or they mean you know they they mean something that's just streaming. And I'm not throwing shade at that. You are talking about actual television, like that yeah. is beamed, you know, from you know, you know through the like air that, that people could pick up <laughs> on these things we used to get from Best Buy that you know that, that you actually watch. So I was just watching a couple of uh you know your your shows. I think I watched two of them and I'm like they have that in New Hampshire. <laughs> Um, we, we were talking in the green room about, you know, something I mentioned last week about how one of the reasons or this is not the only reason, but one of the reasons that my daughter decided not to go to the University of Vermont that was offering her a lot of money to go to school there, because like I said, at all times, her hair is dead. And someone at the school said, well, in order for you to get your hair done like that, you might have to go to Montreal. Now, I guess Montreal from, uh, you know, you know, from Vermont is not that far away. It's like you could get there, you know, in, in a couple hours in a car. But you see, like, well, it's, it's quicker to drive into, you know, to, to Boston to get it done. Yeah. And it was just like, wait a minute, you mean I can't find anybody in the state? Now, you're saying, well, that's not true, that there's a lot of folks yeah. that we just don't know about uh, yeah. that aren't necessarily captured in the most recent, uh, you know, uh, you know, census, <laughs> this, you know, that, that we, we don't know. So, so yeah, there's, there's sprinklings of us even in, you know, in 
you know, you know, Connecticut, Listen, New Hampshire, we have, Vermont, we, and stuff like we that. We everywhere. We We're everywhere. everywhere. Yeah, and and that's one of the things I'm working on right now. Like last year in November, you know, I I threw my first DEI tech networking event, and I've never I've never thrown a, a large event. Uh, and I was honestly like I was terrified, but I was also terrified and excited at the same time because. You know, one of the things that I learned, uh, you know, in my seven and a half years in corporate was I lost my power and, and allowed that to happen. I, I lost my voice. I, I just became silent. Um, I I just felt like, all right, well, let me just submit to my situation. You know, I'm not going to grow. I'm not going to go anywhere. And, and, and even if I were to go somewhere else, you know, will they really be a change or will I just be the same statistics? And I just gave up. You know, I, I gave up. And one of the things that creating this show has done has empowered me and, and really made me realize that my level of creativity uh, was just dimmed. Oh, yeah. Co- corporate will suck the life out of you. I, I tell people all the time, you know, when 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 people ask me, like, oh, why'd you leave that job? Or, you know, even when I was in transition from leaving my corporate job, it was like, you leaving that good job? I'm like, it is sucking the soul out of me. Like, literally, I could feel it every single day. Um, yeah. Just physically as I, as I was walking in that building, I would become a different person. My energy level would drop dramatically and just my my mindset and my emotional well-being would be different um yeah. and i can you know walking out of there you become more buoyant and more light and more energetic and it, it, it there is a there's something to it you know there's definitely something to it but let's let's uh shift gears and talk about dei directive how did that what does the company do how did it come about um and and why was this important work for you to do yeah. So as I mentioned earlier, um, you know, my, my friend Malobi Akache, um, you know, she was really the, the original founder. So I was kind of like, I always tell people, I feel like the aunt who had, who was asked to kind of be like the godmother. Mm-hmm. And so around the time when I'm starting to really ramp up my DEI uh, initiatives around the state, you know, she's talking about her platform uh, and her husband, I, I actually met her husband first on LinkedIn when I was doing mm-hmm. legal technology. And he's like, Hey, you got to meet my wife. And I'm just like, okay, this is kind of odd, you know, but okay. <laughs> and we just similar backgrounds, just connected. You know, um, we, we were both born in Africa, you know, came to America. I came, you know, much younger, uh, but you know, she's also a lawyer who entered into technology. And now um, is she in the New Hampshire area as well or no? She's in South Carolina. Okay. Okay. South Carolina. Um, so I started, you know, she told me about the company. She's like, Hey, I'm trying to create this tech company, uh, and using, um, DEI, but using it in terms of data analytics, mm-hmm. having organizations be able to measure, monitor and track. And I was like, wow. I was like, that is, I'm like, that is great. Because right, data analytics right now is like a billion dollar industry, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody's collecting data. You guys were yep. talking about data privacy issues. It's like the big thing right now. It's everything is data. But one of the things that, you know, we, we've kind of really noticed is that that lack of accountability, right? You have organizations making these commitments for DEI and the Spotify issues is a great example, you know, but how are you tracking, you know, the impact uh, of these DEI initiatives? Are they even working? Like, uh, or how are you even making a decision of 
this is the initiative we want to roll out. Why are you, what are you basing it on it? You know, is it evidence-based? Is it just, hey, let's just throw something out in the air and see if it sticks. So DI Directive is, is really focused on um, helping organizations collect their internal data. So whether it's the demographics of, hey, here's how many women, men, and then you can break down the demographics even more by race, religion, whatever way you want to collect that data. Uh, our platform, because uh, it's a software, our software will track that data for you and help you stay on top of your organizational goals. So if your goals are like, hey, we just did an internal audit and we're just not diverse. In order for us, in order for us to be diverse, Here's the landscape of how our company should look like. Now you can use the software to actually track those. If those are hiring goals that you're going to set up, you're going to track those hiring goals. You know, if we're making a commitment until the end of the year that we're going to be at 50% X amount of women, X amount of veterans or people with disabilities or people 50 plus, whatever the demographics are, you're able to track it. And not only can you track it, there's also the compliance piece. Because there are organizations that are 100 people or more that have to report their workforce diversity, right? Right. right. It, it allows you to capture that key critical data so you can stay off the naughty list. And most of them aren't doing that and, and are doing a horrible, horrible job. Yeah. Um, if, if they even choose to do it at all, even they they deign to do it at all, they're doing a horrible job of it. So, um, so are you yeah, legally still allowed to travel to Florida? <laughs> do they let you? Do they let you in the state? I say I say that facetiously, I know. but not really because when, when you when you think of DEI, mm-hmm. it is starting to get. Uh, you know, I, I think of of words like affirmative action. It, it, you know, I, I think of the word woke. Black matter. Yeah, p- people are taking it and they're espousing their own. Well, here's things I don't like, and it's DEI, so we can't have it in the state anymore. We can't have it in university anymore. We can't have it in school anymore. So what, what, you know, what are you in, in, you know, in in your partners at, uh, you know, DEI directive, how are you, I don't want to say combating that, but how, how are you seeing that, you know, in in your industry? Are you seeing that where you're, are are companies still really on board with DEI initiatives or are you starting to see where, you know, I don't know if we want to do this. I don't know that we care about the number of this or that that we have in an organization. What what are you seeing um, being that this is the work that you're doing? Yeah, so <clears throat> that's a great question. And in my state, I've actually I've attended a couple of uh, DI conferences the last uh, month. And I've been on the lookout for that. And I'm surprisingly shocked that there, when I actually go to these DI events, uh, Black people are the minority. Uh, and the, the people who are really gung-ho and, and, and committed to DI uh, most of the people showing up to these events are HR leaders and decision makers. Um, and they're signing up for these commitments. And they are like, we know what we have to do. And, and we're here because we believe that, you know, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion has an impact on all of us, right? So we're definitely monitoring the noise in Florida. Uh, are there some areas where you hear people throw comments here and there um, that, you know, there there are some organizations that are trying to kind of walk away from using the term DEI and they're mm-hmm. using words like change management leader 
or like mm-hmm. employee experience. Right. Right. So okay. we're starting to semantics. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's, and you know, and it's, I went to, you know, the, the DI uh, conference I told you about. And one of the speakers said, this is similar to when Black Lives Matter came out. It became what well, Blue Lives Matter, you know. And all then, lives like, matter, blah, lives blah. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's a distraction. It's a hijack. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and one of the things that we always try to stress is that when we say DEI, we're, we're not just saying, you know, just, you know, Black people only. Right. DEI is, is various categories. And when you're essentially trying to hit the delete button, you're impacting people with disabilities. Right. You're impacting mm-hmm. people who are, you know, have a, April is autism uh, awareness and, and neurodiversity a month. So you're also impacting people who also fall under that protected class, whether it's autism or ADHD uh, and, and other spectrum. So it, it's, it's, it's really just a lot of the shenanigans. And women. And, and women, women. Yeah. women and LGBTQ plus. I mean, the list is long. We'll be here all day listing. Right. Uh, categories of hey, even 50 plus get, get discriminated again. There's ageism, you know? So people forget that when you say DI, it's not just, you're not just trying to just hurt, you know, black people who feel like they're entitled to, to just get, you know, positions because they're underqualified and we just have to give them positions. Cause that's the other one I've heard. Right. Why, why should mm-hmm. I hire an unqualified individual? And I'm like, well, why I would should. you? Yeah. <laughs> well, exactly. We're not telling, we're not asking you. To- so, so, so let me ask you that, that brings me to this is my next question. What are some of, because we, we, I, 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 at this point, any, any company leader that claims not to know that diversity makes your company better is just practicing willful ignorance. So, right. you know, beyond those folks, what possible excuse are people still making for not embracing DEI policies at, at their companies? I mean, some of it is people just don't want change. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's worked this way for 50 years. Why, why should we change it? You know, and some of it is right. the shift. You know, this is what they know. Um, they don't want to take any extra steps to, you know, be intentional about their hiring. Well, you know, we, we post these jobs, you know, nobody shows up. Well, where are right. you posting the jobs? If you're posting them in, in areas where you, you know, you have no visibility to a, a diverse talent pool, then yeah, you're, you're not going to get diverse candidates. You've, you've got to go out there and either, you know, have partnerships with uh, community leaders. There are many organizations out there. Uh, that are working on promoting diversity. And, and that includes organizations that I can make referrals right. for talented um, professionals that, that can apply for those roles. Um, so a, a lot of it is that people who just don't want the change, they don't want to create a budget for DEI because they don't see the ROI. Mm-hmm. So why, why waste our time? You know, we're, where we're in this area that's mostly, you know, just, you know, white people, for example, you know, uh, so what do you want us to do? You know, there, there's no diversity here. Right. Um, so it, it's, it's some of those, some of the things that, that we hear the in, being intentional um, and willing to spend the budget to, 
to diversify your workplace. So I want to go back and just ask you a question about, you know, about DEI directive, because you guys are a tech company, you know, yeah. you know, big data tech company. So are you actually creating code to give to your customers or are you just collecting data from your customers, putting it into your own proprietary system and, and, and crunching? I, I don't want to editorialize right. and, and, you know, put words in your mouth, but w- yeah. w- on the tech side, what exactly, or, 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 or what, I don't want to say exactly, what, what are you guys doing from a technology standpoint as far right. as how are you getting that data? Is it your own stuff? Are you using other stuff? How, how's that working? Yeah. So it's twofold. Uh, so there's no code and it's a no, it's, it's a no code platform. So <clears throat> we don't expect our clients to, to code and I don't code. So, <laughs> um, that's why we have the great, uh, the great uh, technology team that we have, but essentially it's a software. Just, just think of it as, you know, a software that you can use. Like if you're filing your taxes and you're entering information, uh, the platform is really built to help, like, for example, HR professionals and chief diversity officers. So if your company is already tracking, which most companies, when they hire people, they're, they're already tracking some basic data, but they might not have that robust data that really gives them more of a breakdown of who is really part of their organization, whether it's from the C-suite all the way down to the janitor. So you, this platform can actually be integrated with other HR software. So essentially, it's a dashboard where if you already have reports, you can upload that information. And it's going to generate reports for you, reports that Mm -hmm. you can use when you're trying to go to decision makers and stakeholders and say, hey, look who we're hiring. Here's who we've hired in the last year. And you can show them the breakdown of the demographics. So it's a way to capture all your demographics of your employees and make it more measurable, tangible, where you have transparency and you can understand this data. Most people collect data and have no idea what to do with it. They don't know how to leverage it. They don't know how to read it. They don't know how to articulate it. So this platform is a way where you can see your data. You can compare your organization to other organizations because we also have benchmarking. So you Mm -hmm. have the ability to compare yourself. You might think, hey, we're diverse. And then you might compare yourself using our software to an other organizations in your state and in your country and realize, no, you're not. You're an F. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's essentially what the, the software is, is a way to, to track your uh, the demographics and all the breakdowns. You can also do it by departments. So if you want to see which department has more diversity versus other departments, you can do that as well. There also is an e-learning library where you can assign training videos to employees for performance management. You can Mm -hmm. also send surveys to employees. How are you feeling? Do you like the last speakers we have had? Do you like the DI workshops? Is it working? Because the biggest thing that a lot of these companies are not doing is asking the number one question that needs to be asked. All this money we're investing within DEI initiatives, What's the impact, the measurable impact that it's having on our organization? Right. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Finish your thought. I just want to say, so I spent a lot of time in in, in corporate America on, on the IT side of things. And you're absolutely right. We we spend a lot of times collecting a lot of data on a lot of things, mm-hmm. and then you're just looking at numbers, and they right. you have no idea what these numbers mean. 
So from a person who had to take, I got to go take another uh, test or another assessment or another this, what is it ultimately doing? You know, what are we doing with this data? I know a lot of companies because I've been in a lot of companies. They tend to feel like that. We're doing all this stuff. What, what, what is it actually, is it actually making a difference? Are things getting better? Are things getting worse? How do we interpret this? So I'm just glad to hear that you guys are actually tackling that problem of, you know, getting that data. And actually making some sense out of it, because I think that's a problem for a lot of uh, you know, for for a lot of companies, a lot of organizations. Another thing, when you were going through all that, you didn't say black, 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 <laughs> which is what I think a lot of people hear yes. when they hear DEI. Yeah. Oh, my, yeah. my daughter actually is a DEI professional. And one of the things she says is that that it is not all black. It's not even mostly black. Most yeah. of this stuff is like, we're only 14% of the population here in the United States. It's, it, it can't be all us. It's like, there, there are so many other things that, that we're looking at, but it's just like the, the conversation has been hijacked that all yeah. DEI is doing is giving black and brown folks jobs that they're not you know qualified to have the exact oh, yeah. same argument we were having with uh, you know affirmative action. And that's the thing. They just think it's an updated version of that. Um, and, and it's not, and we know that it's not. Um, couple more questions. So is, have you or, or is anyone, cause, cause we talk all the time about the idea that companies are more profitable with a more diverse, um, you know, employee base and, and, and that kind of thing. Do you or, or do you know of companies that actually put those numbers out there to, other companies like it is that like can you say company x has made this much more money than a similar company y because their team is more diverse can can we actually like quantify that for people yeah so uh you know i don't have the full list of the companies but i will say that the data is out there and, yeah. and it's public data. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not, it's not coming out of space, out of the air. It, there's concrete data from respected data analytics firms that has been known to show that right. organizations that are more diverse are, have higher employee engagement, have higher employee productivity. They are able to have higher retention, right? People are happy. They're showing up to work, right? They're feeling like they belong. They're feeling like they have a voice. They have, and their voice matters. They're mm-hmm. given the ability to be creative because these companies are looking for diverse perspectives and they embrace those diverse uh, perspectives, right? And those employees are going to recommend the company to their friends. Oh, hey, you're looking for a job? My company is hiring. Now, not only do you have, you know, high retention, you have um, the high referral from internal employees. And it's shown organizations that are more diverse are going to take most of the market share. The last number I saw was like almost 70 percent. The world is changing. The world is becoming more diverse. This whole notion of a minority and minorities, it's and this is a majority, you know, we're going to start hearing that term majority kind of going away because mm-hmm. the world around us is changing and is becoming more diverse. And it's really on companies these days to have a workforce that really reflects the community. Because nowadays when people shop, most of the time 
when they're shopping or they're looking for services, they're going to check the company who I'm looking for a hair product, right? You're going to go to a company where you see representation, right? That's right. You're, you're, mm-hmm. you're looking for a, a hairdresser or a doctor. Sometimes you're, you're going to go into the website and look for doctors, you know, that kind of align with who you are. Um, so People are starting to make conscious decisions when it comes to shopping and wanting to shop and invest in companies that are, when they say we are DEI, they mean it. Um, a couple of studies have come out the last couple of weeks. Target recently got an A plus and they got this and there's a scorecard that was scoring companies on their agenda uh, pay to see how well they're, they're paying uh, their women versus their men. And also it bro- kind of broke it down by more demographics, you know, also showing by race. Mm-hmm. So there is that information out there and there are organizations that are creating these scorecards and they're watchdogs out there and they're paying attention. So Target was on this list uh, as A+. You know what's, what's going to happen? People now are going to be like, we want to shop at Target. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, I love Target, so I would never stop shopping. <laughs> it would take a lot for me to get, stop shopping at Target. So it's right. good to know that they're doing right by their employees um, because they're getting a whole lot of my money. So right. Target, uh, Home Depot, Lowe's, those are some of the big companies. And 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 while they also gave A plus and A's, they also gave F's. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, the, some of the companies that got F's were like kind of like Walmart and Google. So if you really care about your reputation in the community, you know, which some of that reputation, when you start getting that kind of negative rating, that can really decrease uh, the kind of respect that, you know, some members of the community have towards you, especially when you tout DEI as a priority for your organization, but you're getting these ratings that are showing otherwise and these lawsuits that you're settling for over $118 million. Uh, so there's a conflict, you know, between the initiatives and what's actually th- what the public is seeing. So organizing- well, and I think data like that sort of, you know, proves what I was what I was getting at. And in the in the sense that, you know, companies that would get that sort of a plus rating would have higher profits because more people would want to shop there. And, 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 exactly. you know, the, the reverse is, is true. So, so it, it just kind of, kind of speaks to that idea that company, more diverse companies make more money. And it's not even, and it, and it may not even necessarily be a function. Well, it's, it's going to be a function of the fact that the employees are going to be happier and more productive. Um, but you, you may not even necessarily be getting. I don't even want to say the bet that that's not the, the the word I'm not looking. The word I'm looking for is not the best employees, but you're because the company itself is diverse, more people will patronize a more diverse company. So, so you're, so you're getting that bonus in addition to getting, um, employees that bring diversity of thought, diversity of culture, diversity of, of everything else to the proceedings, which makes a better company. So it kind of just all feeds into itself. DEI is for the people. It really is. That's like Wu Tang. DEI is for the people. For everybody, even if it's a 50 plus white guy who's getting discriminated because somebody thinks, oh, you're over 50, you're not going to be productive and creative and innovative. All you want to do is take a nap when you come to work, you know? It's it's and, and that's the thing where it, it's it, it's painful uh, to see 
you know, people really want to tear it up because their their thinking is targeted towards one specific group. But you're you're it's, well, it's for everyone. We got a bunch of people in this country that are cutting off their nose to spite their face all the time. So this doesn't surprise me um, either. I do want to ha- I do want to ask you one more quick question. Um, before we wrap up, uh, because you were a part of the LinkedIn Creator Accelerator program. Yeah. Um, I would be very curious to hear a little bit about the program, how you got in it, because I'm sure our listeners uh, may be interested in something like that for themselves. Yeah, well, thank you. Well, I, I'm really happy that I, I got into that program. I almost didn't apply. So LinkedIn last year launched their very first ever U.S. technology and innovation uh, program. And the whole purpose of the program uh, was, again, to get different perspective uh, and voices and, and content created by diverse uh, emerging kind of tech thought leaders. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you had to essentially submit a pitch. You know, well, what do you want to do? What What is your platform and, and what do you want to showcase as part of the program? And what I essentially said, you know, is, listen, you know, I already have my TV show, you know, and and, and on a local level, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this in terms of promoting technology in my state. What I want to do is create like the kind of like the global mini version of my show. And mm-hmm. I want to put a spotlight on technology that's being created around the world by underrepresented tech professionals. So I want to go around the world and really put a spotlight on people from various countries. And I spoke to women in Africa. I spoke to women in Spain and Dubai and just found out what they were working on and spent my six weeks in the program creating content that was focused on really giving those underdogs that deserve the attention but we see what sometimes happens with some people. Some groups don't get the attention they deserve. That's so right. I was selected. It was, I, I learned quite a bit in terms of creating content and really being a, a technology thought leader uh, and really helping to educate my, my followers as well as my community on the technology that's not only going on like right here in our country, but also what's going on around the world and just to, to be aware of that. Uh, it was a great opportunity. Uh, I know LinkedIn will probably open it up. It's it's a thing where you kind of d- have to decide what are you trying to do? What are you passionate about? And what do you want to show the world, teach the world? And, and then you create that. And you, from there, you end up creating your own content. And I'm happy to say because of all the work that I've done on on LinkedIn in my community, I was recently selected by uh, one of the uh, New Hampshire uh, magazines as uh, Outstanding Women of 2023. And today I just received notification that I was chosen by the New Hampshire Tech Alliance as a tech professional of the year for all the tech education that I'm doing. Awesome. Well, congratulations. Congratulations. That's wonderful. We love it. We love it. So, Flo, this has been awesome having you on to talk about just just your experience and how you came from being a lawyer. I mean, you're still a lawyer. You still got that. You know, you still got that jurisdiction. That that, 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 okay. that JD ain't going nowhere. Yeah, that ain't going nowhere. <laughs> but uh, how you've transitioned, you know, from actually practicing to you know going into you know into tech 
into I got to get out of here and, and, and figure some things out, you know, on my own to becoming a CEO of a DEI, you know, uh, you know, company that is out there doing you know, the good work. <laughs> CEO. CEO, I'm sorry, CEO uh, you know, of a company. So it is uh, it has been an absolute pleasure. I want to give you the opportunity to let our listeners and viewers know how they can get at you. If there's any anything you want to let people know about you or how to find you, this is your time to tell them. Yeah, so for DI Directive, we need all the love. We are a woman-owned company, black-owned company, and we, we really want to blow up and, and start holding businesses accountable uh, by having them leverage data analytics for DEI. So you can visit us at www.deidirective.com. I am on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm known as the non-boring lawyer, uh, Flo Nicholas, so you can follow me on LinkedIn. And, you know, I'm on Twitter for a little bit, not as much, uh, but, but yeah, definitely LinkedIn is, is my spot. That's, that's where I, I am most of the time. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Flo, thank you so much. It was a pleasure meeting you. I'm glad Jewel introduced us. I have yeah. to, I've had to buy Jewel a drink next time I see her <laughs> for introducing us, but thank you so much for being a guest thank on you. the Tech Talk. I appreciate it. Okay. Take care. Have a good one. So Tech Life staff, um, this spotlight, we normally don't run spotlights when we have a guest. Yeah. But this one is just so awesome. I I, I, I read this. I read this. So I I, I want to say the names and then I'll let you uh, go. So it's, I, I believe it is, you know, uh, Kelsey Johnson and Nakia Jackson. Mm-hmm. And these two mm-hmm. young ladies have figured out a 2000 year old math oh. problem. They're in high school, yo. High school. These is high school babies. Crazy. Two young black ladies. Two young black girls have figured out a 2,000-year-old problem. So why don't you go ahead and tell us about Kalsia Johnson and Nakia Jackson. Yes, yes, let's do it. I love this spotlight. I actually saw this on my Instagram and I bookmarked it because I was like, oh, we're, we're, we're putting them in a spotlight. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. IDC, IDC, IDC. Um, so let's go. Kalsia Johnson and Nakia Jackson are seniors at St. Mary's Academy in New Orleans. Um, recently the girls presented at the American Mathematical Society's annual Southeastern Conference, revealing that they had made Made a mathematical discovery that scholars have called impossible for the last 2,000 years. The two have proved that Pythagoras' theorem can now be proven with trigonometry. It's really an unparalleled feeling, uh, honestly, because there's just nothing like being able to do something that people don't think young people can do. A lot of times you see this stuff, you don't see kids like us doing it, Kelsia told reporters. For a quick math refresher so you can understand, trigonometry is based on, Pythag- on Pythagoras' theorem, A squared plus B squared equals C squared. So the idea of using trigonometry to prove the theorem has been deemed impossible because it's considered a circular logic fallacy, meaning an idea can't prove itself. 
However, both Calcia and Nakia have found a way to use trigonometry to prove the theorem without circular logic. It's a discovery mathematicians have been trying to make for 2,000 years and is quite phenomenal. The only high school students presenting at the conference, the girls have credited their teachers with helping them to crack the code, challenging them to make the impossible possible. We have really great teachers, said Nakia. Calcia echoed those sentiments, pointing back to the school's motto. Our slogan is no excellence without hard labor. So they definitely pushed us, she added. So just want to say congratulations to the ladies because they did the dang thing. Uh, Yeah, just mathematical geniuses. This is huge. So someone who actually has a degree in mathematics. (laughs) <laughs> this is something that, you know, I, I remember talking about this uh, definitely in, in college. I believe we probably talked about it in high school, uh, you know, trigonometry as well. But mm-hmm. you can't prove this stuff because you can't use the stuff to prove the stuff to prove the stuff you're using. <laughs> to prove the stuff to prove the stuff. Right. <laughs> exactly. It's a circular, you know, you, you cir- circle circular logic. Mm-hmm. And this has been worked on for 2000 years crazy jesus might have been walking around okay. thinking about this stuff talking about that how we this goes back how, how are we gonna prove pythagoras's theorem <laughs> right jesus so, and, Paul and, and peter and them was was pontificating on this back in the day this is crazy and it's so just like brilliant th- this one it you know all, all of our spotlights make me happy but this way made me happy because even still today women you know, and, and, and let's and let's talk about what they are. The, these young women, these are still girls in high school. They're yeah. they're not adults yet. D- for whatever reason, um, and I think we're getting better, but for whatever reason, we still just don't push, uh, you know, girls and you know y- young girls in school towards math and STEM. We just don't I do know. that. It's I not know. that they can't do it. It's just that they don't see. They don't have peers. It's like there's only there's only so many flows in the world there's only so many stephanie's i'm talking about you in the world where they they actually have role models they can look and see doing this there's just not enough of that it's um true. but you can see right here these two young ladies and yes they are black young ladies that's right i figured out something that mathematicians have been working on for two millennia that is that is that is that is amazing. So I got it. I know terrence doesn't like us to give flowers but i'm giving all kind of no, flowers to these young ladies on this they give flowers on this and this may be for, 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 for the after party. I mean, I know we look like we ain't going to have that much of an after party, but why isn't this bigger news is a, is a question that I have as well. Like you solve a 2000 year old math problem. You should be on every morning talk show. You should be every news broadcast, every CNN, MSNBC, every, everywhere. You should be everywhere. If you do this and and the idea that, you know, I saw this on a website that specifically highlights the accomplishments of African-Americans only because I've not seen it anywhere else. I mean, I didn't granted I didn't look for it that hard, but I shouldn't have had to look for it at all Mm -hmm. because this should have been the top news story on every news platform when it happened. So it, yes, it should, yes, Charles, 2000 years, in, years the making, in the making, this should have been the top news story and it wasn't. And that just speaks to, you know, America and, and the rest of the world, not it just diminishing the accomplishments of black and brown folks, you know, across the board. I think I might have a idea, an idea, but I can't quite put my finger on it, but you know what? We're going to talk about that in the after party. So, Let's get to the after party. 
Tech Life Steph. Tell folks how they can get at you. You can follow me all around the web at Tech Life Steph. And I am at Rob Dunwood on all the things. And we are also at the Tech John on all the things. So until we meet again in a week's time. Peace. Peace. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.